0: Welcome to A Matter of Law, a Hogan Lovell series that takes a deep dive into the latest developments that are shaping the legal world. Our team of lawyers will provide insight into crucial and rapidly evolving issues and address the risks that can lead from the boardroom to the courtroom. We've all been hearing a lot about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion within an organization. Numerous studies have found that DEI drives better business results, greater innovation, and most importantly, collaborative, successful teams that thrive and are more resilient. It makes sense, and it sounds simple, but is it? Today, we're going to talk about how you can really embed DEI into the very fabric of your business and ensure that everyone feels valued within the organization. As you'll find out, it's not always easy. I'm Ruben van der Krusen, Senior Associate at Hogan Lovells. We're going to hear from Mary Fitzpatrick today, who is the Global Head of Diversity and Inclusion at Rolls-Royce. Mary has decades of experience on this topic, having worked with leading businesses, as well as the UK's BBC and Channel 4 to improve diversity in the workplace. We'll also talk to our own Hogan Lovells employment experts. and Vita Sharma, Senior Associate in our London office, and Tao Lun, a partner in our LA office. My first question was for Mary, and what I wanted to know was, how does she define DEI, and should this be a strategic focus for every business?
1: For me, all those letters in the alphabet mean belonging. ESG, DNI, inclusion, they all sum up ensuring that everybody feels like they belong within a business and they're recognised. Their ability to be different, to be individual, is seen as a really positive thing to bring into the business. I think if your business is not seen as being committed to the issues of equity and inclusion, then you have a big problem because what you have to think about is how you look externally to the market that you want to attract into your business. And if they go onto your web site and they look at who's on your board, what are your values, and they don't see you mirroring the values that they have, then they won't join you. So I think it's absolutely an imperative that every business talks about inclusion, talks about equity, talks about how they want to make people feel like they're belonging and make and ensure that people feel included.
0: When I asked Tal what he thought, he agreed. And he said recent news events continue to highlight the significance of DEI. So while there had always been a compelling
2: business and moral case for DEI initiatives, at least from a U.S. perspective, you really started seeing strong traction for these type of initiatives after the unfortunate events and social unrest in 2020, following George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and countless others. And following those events, you began to see a focused emphasis on DEI initiatives for many companies, especially since companies' DEI efforts or lack thereof, really really started coming under significantly increasing scrutiny from its employees, customers, business partners, shareholders,
0: investors, and the public. That scrutiny continues to grow. And this is one of those issues that can really lead from the boardroom to the courtroom. As Envita points out, litigation is a definite possibility.
3: So one of the risks of not getting DEI right is a legal risk. Um, The primary issue here will be bringing discrimination claims. And in the UK, employees can bring discrimination claims in the employment tribunal. Mostly, their compensation will be around financial loss, but also they can be compensated for injury to feelings. Compensation for discrimination is uncapped, unlike other types of employment claims. Discrimination claims tend to be extensively reported in the press and employers can be vicariously liable for the actions of their staff, as well as individual employees being personally liable for acts of discrimination. There's also, generally speaking, a greater focus on employers being transparent and disclosing data about their workforce. For example, some employers are subject to the requirement to report on gender pay gap reports. So, It's, generally speaking, more difficult for employers to shy away from these types of issues because they have to be transparent about what's going on in their workplace and that transparency could lead to the risk of future legal challenges.
0: So with all this in mind, what should employers be focusing on? Mary believes companies need to start with creating an inclusive culture that's supportive of everyone.
1: I think if a business wants to recognise diversity, equity and inclusion, it needs to shout it from the rafters to its people. It needs to ensure that the culture um, within the business has a complete understanding that it's not just about gender or ethnicity, it's about diversity in its broader sense. So it's about neurodiversity, it's about different types of education, socio-economic backgrounds. You have to look beyond the data and understand first and foremost about your own culture Is it a culture that you think diverse candidates would want to be a part of? And if it isn't, you have to do some work pretty quickly to change that, to ensure that when people come. Because I can hire a black woman and she can come into the business and she can turn to me and say, I don't want to stay. You know, I don't see myself. I don't see myself mirrored any leaders. I feel uncomfortable. You know, uh, this is not a place for me to be.
0: It's a challenge. It's a challenge to recruit people, and it's a real challenge to retain a diverse group of employees if they don't feel like they fit in. I asked Tao about some of the difficulties that U.S. companies are facing. One of the key struggles from a U.S. perspective is that unless you're
2: subject to an affirmative action plan, which the majority of companies are, it's unlawful for companies to impose quotas as it relates to hiring and promotion. In other words, a company can't just say, okay, look, we, ha- we want to increase the diversity of our company. We have 30 open positions. We're going to hire 20 women to fill those slots. Similarly, a company can't just say, hey, look, we have a leadership positioning opening. Due to a retirement, we're going to fill it with a black candidate or a Latinx candidate, for example. Imposing such quotas would still be deemed discriminatory, and it's often referred to as reverse discrimination. So in the absence of quotas, where intention could potentially translate to immediate and tangible results, many companies are often left with good intentions, but uncertainty of where to start or uncertainty uh, as it relates to the effectiveness of their initiatives. And even those that may have strong and effective DEI initiatives in attracting diverse talent are often unsure of how to retain the diverse talent where even more factors such as the culture of an organization come into play.
0: And of course, as we all know, there's always that looming risk of litigation. Companies need to ensure they're abiding by the law, which, as Avita and Tao point out, differs from country to country.
2: In the U.S., at the federal level, companies must comply with statutes such as Title VII and the ADA, which protect against discrimination on the basis of race, color, sex, religion, national origin, and disability. And while Title VII and and the ADA applies to every company across the U.S., many states have their own set of discrimination laws which protect additional characteristics. California, for example, has over 10 additional protected characteristics which aren't protected under Title VII, which can range anywhere from hairstyles to gender expression and identity, or even having a criminal or arrest record. As more and more states adopt this type of approach or even expand to additional characteristics, this can really prove to be a significant blind spot for many companies.
3: In the UK, the Equality Act contains the framework for discrimination law. So the Equality Act prohibits discrimination against nine protected characteristics. Those are age, disability, race, religion or belief, sex, sexual orientation, pregnancy and maternity, gender reassignment, and marital status. And we also have the right for men and women to receive equal pay for equal work.
0: So clearly understanding the law in each jurisdiction is vital. But Mary points out that companies need to think more holistically.
1: I would encourage a business to think beyond the legal parameters because the legal parameters are good and they were created some time ago. But as a society, we've moved on hugely. And actually, that's where inclusion comes in. You want everyone to feel included. And that includes, as you say, socio-economic background. is really important. You know, where are you? Are you the first person in your family to ever go to university? Have you come from a family where education has never been valued and yet here you are working for Rolls-Royce as one of our graduates, you know, interns or or, or whatever it is? And, And we celebrate that and we say that is fantastic. We are here to give you the time of your life and to make sure that you get the best opportunities to move your career forward.
0: Looking ahead, Anvita also pointed out that there are always new protected characteristics on the horizon that companies need to keep an eye on.
3: I think that when a business is looking to address its diversity, equity and inclusion strategy, it should look outside of the legal framework because the Equality Act in the UK only really protects those nine characteristics. It doesn't cover other types of issues like socioeconomic disadvantage. Nor does it really address intersectionality. But another area that has received a lot of attention recently in the UK is the issue of menopause in the workplace. In 2021, the Women and Equality Select Committee announced an inquiry into menopause in the workplace, and they set up a menopause task force to tackle the issue. The Women and Equality and Select Committee report was published in late July. And they made a number of recommendations, including the idea that menopause should actually be recognised as a protected characteristic under the Equality Act. The government has responded to this report and indicated that no changes will be made to the Equality Act.
0: Despite the UK government's decision not to make menopause a protected characteristic, Mary says Rolls-Royce is still making the issue a priority.
3: I think
1: that if you're serious about inclusion and doing the best for the people that work for you, then menopause is something that you should be considering. And we've recently signed up to a charter which states very clearly that for us, menopause is something that we recognise and we want to support anybody who is going through it.
0: Most companies understand they have a lot of work to do to get it right and that it's an ongoing process. This is something that Mary says requires a real shift in mindset and a commitment from the entire business.
1: I think it's really important to have commitment from the C-suite around diversity and inclusion. But I think that they are just absolutely uh, the icing on the cake. The work has to be done many layers down into the business with the middle managers. You also need to have those stories coming through from people on your shop floor. I think storytelling within a business is really important. And what we're doing with storytelling is we're saying to people, open up your heart and be honest about who you are and the life experiences you've had because you, that you will find that they will resonate with people within the business. Alongside storytelling, I think that it is really important for businesses to understand that nothing happens overnight, nothing happens organically. You absolutely have to shape a campaign which is about talking to the people within your business and saying these values are really important and this is how we want you to live them.
0: So obviously, there's a lot to digest here. To end our discussion, I asked Tao and then Mary to give us their advice for any company looking to shore up their DEI strategy.
2: Unfortunately, there isn't a silver bullet, nor is there a one-size-fits-all solution for DEI goals for a company. Each company is unique, and the DEI goals for a company with 20 employees in a single location is going to be significantly different than a global company with, say, thousands of employees across the U.S. Having said that, irrespective of what your company looks like, one of the primary goals for any company should be looking to expand the pipeline of diverse candidates. And when I say pipeline... I don't just mean expanding the pipeline as it relates to applicants, but really promotions and leadership positions as well. Often, too many companies are focused on the recruitment of diverse talent, but if you don't put an emphasis on retaining and promoting your diverse talent, you'll inevitably suffer what is known as the leaky pipeline, where your diversity may look great at entry-level positions but begins to lag behind at managerial and leadership positions.
1: I think if a business wants to take equity and inclusion seriously, it needs to look at itself first and foremost. It needs to measure where it is around diversity. We need to know who's in the business. I think after that, you need to challenge yourself to put in place goals that you can meet. You need to set yourself some targets and some challenges. And I think the third piece is looking at your culture what is it that we do to make people feel valued? What is it that we do that makes people feel really appreciated? I think appreciation is a really big piece of the puzzle when it comes to a, a, a culture that really demonstrates that it cares.
0: Thank you for joining us. For more information on this podcast or any other topics we've covered so far, head to the website hoganlevels.com.